see you all again. Um, <laughs> so something happened to me yesterday, actually. I, um, I think I blew an eardrum. So if, I, if you talk to me and I don't answer, especially if you're standing over here, I, it's, I'm not being rude, I, I don't think I heard you. And so also if my like, volume control is off today, I don't know if I'm speaking too loud or too soft because I, like, all I can hear is my voice in my head, which is a wonderful feeling. Anyway, so that's me. Um, so on that note, hey, we are, we are continuing and finishing our Heaven series today. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the last few weeks as we've kind of just thought a little bit more deeply about the promises we have received in Scripture about heaven. Um, and something I'm sure you've noticed uh, is that we can't really talk or think about heaven without also talking and thinking about death. Can you pick that up? <laughs> Those two things are kind of, they're interrelated. Uh, we have, I think, a complicated relationship with death, don't we? Uh, there's, a, there's a famous story through history, Philip of Macedon. This is uh, Alexander the Great's dad. So he's, he's kind of a big deal. He didn't get a the great after his name, but he's still a pretty big deal. Um, he apparently commissioned a, ser a servant to come into his court every single day and say, Philip, you will die every day. Just to remind him, to, to give him perspective on his life. Philip, you will die. I wonder what our lives would look like if we had someone come and just say that to us every single day of our life. Imagine, imagine what that'd be like. Compare this guy, Philip, with uh, France's Louis XIV. He, on the other hand, how's that guy? That's a painting, not a photo, but still. You've got to love that. Um, the French. Um, he made a decree that the word death would never be spoken in his presence. <laughs> those, are, those are two different views on death, isn't it? I think... Um, what I think we learn from both those stories is that when you're a king, you can just do whatever you want. You can tell people never to say the word death, or you can tell someone to tell you about death every day if you wanted to. You can just do whatever you want if you're a king, apparently, in the past. Um, I think in Brisbane, Australia, 2021, in our modern day, I think we probably would relate more to King Louis uh, than Philip. I think we have an aversion to thinking about death. I think if we are like anyone, we are like um, like the Frenchman. Death is uncomfortable to consider. It is, it's not our friend. It's our enemy. The Bible talks about death as an enemy to be conquered. Um, it is something that is universal of us all. We are all plagued by death. Death is, death is terminal, right? It's coming for every one of us. It's universal. And the good news this morning and the good news we've seen through the Heaven series is that King Jesus has conquered death for us. He has actually freed us from fear of death. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says this. It says that he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. He's going to break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Fear of death. Right? This is... This is humanity. We are trapped in the fear of death. And Jesus, friends, Jesus truly does deliver us from fear of death, doesn't he? I think he does. Not just, not just the power of death, um, not just kind of hope for the future, but the, the, that fear, Jesus relieves it. He delivers us from it. And, and he does that by giving us these great promises. And over the last three weeks, we've been, 
We've just been opening up our minds and our hearts to consider those promises that God has given us, that he has actually freed us from death. Um, first week, just to give you a quick recap of where we've been, what we saw first week is this kind of the big picture of, of heaven, right? That God has made us and designed us so that we would only be fulfilled when we are with him and will only truly be with him in, its, in all, all that fullness in heaven. On the other side of heaven, there is a forever home for us, and that forever home is defined as with God. And that is what God has won for us in the cross. He is, he's, he's promised that he'll bring us home so that where we will be, where he is, we will be with him as well. We spent the day in, in John 14, 1, where Jesus promised, I, I'm going to prepare a place with, for you because in my father's house there are many rooms. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come get you and bring you so that where you are, where I am, you will be with me as well. And week two, Matt asked the question, okay, if that's the promise, what happens when we die? What is, what's on the other side of, of that moment for us? Uh, what happens in that moment? And, and by extension, where are those who have died in faith currently existing? Where are they residing? And we jumped all over the Bible to answer, try and answer that question because we've got kind of snippets of it here and there and all over. Um, and that was week two. If you missed that, go back and listen to that one as well. Uh, and then last week, what we did is on... On YouTube, sure, not ideal, but we still, we, what we did is we, we, we finally came to, I think, finally the major teaching in the Bible about heaven. So if you missed that one, that was the big one. Make sure you go back and listen to that one if you missed it. It's on the podcast, it's on YouTube, it's on a website, it's all over. Um, and what we learned is that God is bringing heaven down, out of heaven, prepared as a bride for a husband, New Jerusalem descending upon the earth. He is going to remake the earth. That's what heaven is. The earth remade, the earth resurrection, the, the earth resurrected. We'll get a resurrection as well, but the earth is getting its own resurrection. God is going to remake the earth, which means we're going to enjoy heaven in a physical state, physically on a physical earth, experiencing the heaven with our physical senses, sight, touch, smell. It's going to be real. It's going to be physical. It's going to be literal heaven. It's not some ethereal vision in the sky. So today what we're, what we're doing is we're kind of doing part two of that one, I guess. And we're asking a question that's going to be very hard to answer, but we're going to give it our best. And that is, what will life be like there? What, will actually, what would it actually be like? We touched on all this stuff last week, but we're going to be maybe a bit more specific and ask some more kind of specific questions. What will we do? Let me just say a word of prayer. Uh, before we do dive in, uh, and we'll we'll launch in. Lord, as we as we continue today to set our minds on the things that are above, like you have called us to do, I pray that you would, yeah, give give us eyes to see. Give us hearts that are quick to believe. Lord, give us uh, give us. Uh, a spiritual vision, a spiritual discernment that we may not possess in our own faculties, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you do a work in us this morning that we might see and savor your goodness through thinking about what it is you've prepared for us. So Lord, bless us all this morning through your word, I pray. Amen. Uh, as, as we've kind of said uh, continually through this or one of the themes that I suppose have, has come out of this series is that we can be so robbed of strength, 
so robbed of, of courage, so robbed of perseverance when we have a low view of what is to come. We can be so robbed of our God-given strength when we, honestly, when we find heaven unappealing, which is what we do when we, when we, when we realize we don't actually look forward to heaven as, as we should. And I think it all comes down to the fact that, yeah, we, we don't have a right vision of what is to come. And so the point of this whole series was, was trying to help you see maybe some of, of the great promises God has for us and how they are really better than we can imagine. And yet we should have a crack at trying to imagine them as well, because that'll encourage us as well. And so um, if you missed the last few weeks, again, go grab them on our, on our podcast. This one's kind of, it's really the bitsy sermon. It's kind of like all the, what about this? What about this? What about this? And so it's going to be a little bit all over. So if, you, if this is the first one you're hearing, you kind of missed the, the biblical basis of it all last week in particular. Go grab it on our website. Uh, today what we're doing is the what is it going to be like? What are we going to do? What is life going to be like on a, maybe a day-to-day basis? It's going, to be, it's going to be fun. Probably more than the other three, this one's going to have a little bit more kind of imaginative speculation rooted in Scripture. But like what we're doing is we're, we're taking the teaching of Scripture and then following it, like thinking, it thinking it through, I guess. Maybe that's, maybe that's a good way to think about what we're doing today. We are following the biblical teaching to its logical ends to see what, what it might be like in the, in the heaven, new heavens, new earth. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be asking and hopefully answering uh, four questions about life. Firstly, will we be bored in heaven? Do you reckon we'll be bored? <laughs> I don't think so. Secondly, what about work? Is it going to be work in heaven? What about fun? Is it going to be fun in heaven? And the last one, which I think is, is, is pretty practical as well, is what about marriage? What's marriage going to be like in heaven? The Bible has things to say about all these things. Um, and so if you have a question I didn't answer, by the way, I, 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 had, I, had, I had a fifth question that I had to drop because of time's sake, because it's for reasons, right, COVID week um, and no kids program. But I had a section on animals that I had to get rid of, cause, but that's pretty fun as well. So anyway, I've got, I got resources I can shoot you away if you want to continue to think these things through. Um, let me just start by giving you like the overriding principle that we're going to kind of apply to each of these questions, okay? The overriding principle that we're going to apply um, as we think through heaven, and that is the, 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 um, the idea of redeemed continuity. Redeemed continuity. These two words are both really important. Um, firstly, redeemed in that the curse of sin and death and the stain of evil will be removed forever. But not just that, but that God is going to not just like cleanse the world, but he's going to bring it all to its original. It's going to fulfill the, the design purpose of our, cre- of our created purpose. Does that make sense? He's going to bring it all to its intended conclusion. And continuity in that um, life on this earth really does give us a template of the life to come. Does that make sense? Life on this earth gives us a template of what is to come. God isn't scrapping the earth. He's renewing it. He's remaking. He's redeeming it. And so we really can learn about what life will be like by looking at li- what life is like now and seeing what it will be like without the curse. Um, so, yeah, the, the idea is that the, all the good things we get to experience now on this earth won't be scrapped, but they'll be fulfilled, redeemed, and will continue on into the next. That's kind of the idea, okay, redeemed continuity. Um, 
I guess just, just thinking this, this through, right? Like what would it be in God's character that would make us think any different to that? Like what is it in God's character that would make us think that he would scrap, that he would have something good for us here that then won't be in the next unless it was going to be fulfilled with something even better, right? It's just the way he works. He, 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 this life is a foretaste. He, he is going to transform and renew and remake every good thing. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. Redemption is God's big thing, right? That's what he's all about. Somehow it's more beautiful for him to renew and remake and restore something that is broken than it is just him making like a whole new thing, right? That's what he's doing with us. That's what he's doing with the world. He is remaking everything. Um, renewed continuity, that's, that's the big idea. I found, a, I found a bunch of different kind of theologians talking about that this week. Let me share one from Herman Bavink, who's probably one of the greatest theologians in the last 200 years. Um, we don't talk about him enough, to be honest. Um, Herman Bavink, he says this. He says, God's honor could consist precisely in the fact that he redeems and renews the same humanity, the same world, the same heaven, the same earth that have been corrupted and polluted by sin. It's the same. He's not remaking everything. He's renewing everything. Do you see the difference there? This is the idea. This is the principle we're going to apply to life in heaven, okay? And the big foretaste, the big blueprint of what this looks like is the resurrection of Jesus. He is the big, we look to him to learn about what will life will be like, right? He is, um, we, we talked about this a bit last week, right? But his, his resurrection is the glimpse of heaven. It is the foretaste of eternity. It is, it is the blueprint. We, uh, we see that Jesus, he still looks like Jesus. His, his, his disciples know that it's him. There's this continuity in him, but he's redeemed. He's got a new body. He can, he's, he's, he's not the same. New resurrected body. And yet it's still him. Right? So that, that's the idea. Redeem continuity. Um, he is perfect and incorruptible, and yet he's still Jesus. Okay, let's have a crack at going through these four questions. First one, will we be bored in heaven? What are we going to do? Isaac Asimov, one of the most famous, like the father of science fiction, um, he said this. He said, I don't believe in an afterlife, so I don't have to spend my life fearing hell or fearing heaven even more. For whatever tortures, whatever the tortures of hell, I think the boredom of heaven will be worse. I think he summarizes pretty well the general view, the general gist of the common vibe we have about heaven. It just sounds a bit dull. Well, guess what? The Bible has some things to say to us. He has, God has got some good things in store for us. Heaven has many facets. For example, we are told in the new heaven and the new earth, one of the things we're going to be doing for eternity is ruling and reigning the universe with Jesus. That's a pretty cool idea. Ruling and reigning the whole universe. Revelation 22, 3 to 5. This is what we read here. We saw this last week. It says, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. That's us. They will see his face, and his name will be on their forehead, and night will be no more. There will be no need of light or lamp of sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. What's going to happen in heaven is we are going to fulfill 
what God had designed Adam and Eve to do in the garden. They, are, they, they were placed there to rule and reign to, to, over the earth as God's representatives over the earth. And we are going to fulfill that original commission of God to reign and rule with God over his creation. That's what we're going to be doing. We are going to have work to do. So here's the question that's going to be hard to answer, by the way, just for the record. What are we going to rule over? Well, in the parables, we get, we get a couple of, um, in, the, in the Bible, we get a couple of little sneak peeks. Uh, in, in the parables, Jesus tells, tells us that we're going to be reigning over cities, using little, Matt's little disclaimer from week two. When you're looking at a parable and you're taking a detail from a parable, that's not the main idea. You've got to be a little bit careful. But I think it might just be illustrative. However, hey, if you're going to be faithful with 10, and I'll, I'll, he says, I'll put you over 10 cities because you've been faithful with little, I'll put you over much. There's this authority over cities. Uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, 2 to 3, says this. He says, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Do you not know that we will judge angels? What does that mean? I don't know. But Paul seems to say it like it's obvious, right? We will judge angels. Over in 2 Timothy 2.12, he says, If we endure, we will also reign with him. In Revelation, we see this again and again and again and again, um, this reference to the crown that is to come, the, the crown being a symbol of authority, of um, authority to rule over. 2.26, To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over nations, heavenly nations. 3.11, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. To him who overcomes, I will give, to sit at the, to, uh, give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. 3.21, you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Guys, we just sung that. Literally that, there's a whole, is it in the chorus or the bridge or something? Um, that song we just sung, right, has this. We have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. That's what we're going to be doing in heaven. We're going to be ruling and reigning over all things. Suffice to say, it is not going to be boring. That's one facet of our life in heaven. The other facet, the Bible is consistently portraying heaven as a feast, as a wedding, as a party, a celebration, a wedding banquet specifically. What do you do at a wedding? You eat, you drink, you celebrate, you laugh, you enjoy friendship, you dance, or if you're like me, you stand off to the side and, and watch the dancing, <laughs> right? And, and anyone with me here? It's <laughs> a so question, will you all see me dance in heaven? Probably, I reckon. Sounds like hell to me, but yeah, it's like, I think, so. I, think, I think so. I think I won't have that little thing in me that says, don't do it. That will be gone, and you'll see Mike dance in heaven. How good is that? Look forward to that day. Jesus says in Luke 22, 29, 30, he says this, I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones 
judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Do you see like both references? They're both to ruling and to feasting. Eat and drink. Can you imagine, can you imagine the food? If you have, like, just think of like the best thing you've ever had in your life, or even like the best thing you've had in recent memory. The food in heaven's going to be so good. I imagine God is going to put on the best spread, and we're going to come to that table hungry, and we're going to leave that table as satisfied as we've ever been, and we're going to do it all again the next day. It is going to be awesome. The book of Isaiah in particular is full, full of prophecies about heaven, about the new heaven and new earth. Uh, this is one from 25, chapter 25, um, 6 to 8. It says this, On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, not the stuff that comes in a bag, a rich food full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. He will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all people, the veil that is spread over all nations. Sin, evil, death. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away all tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people, the shame of his people, will be taken away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. Whenever God says that, you've got to listen. (laughs) Pay attention to what he's saying. One day, sin and evil will be gone. He's throwing a party. There's going to be good food, good wine. It's going to be the best. And he's going to wipe away every tear. This is where Revelation gets it from, by the way. They, 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 Revelation is just pulling stuff from the Old Testament everywhere. And this is one place we see God will wipe away all the tears. Take away all the shame. We could spend all day looking at references about how we're going to party in heaven. Uh, but I think that's going to do, right? This feast is for all who would come to Jesus by faith. This is not a feast we, we get access to through our goodness. We learn this everywhere in the Bible. This is a, a, a gracious invitation he extends for those who receive Jesus as king and as savior. We will rule, we will reign, we will celebrate, we will feast, we will dance, we will eat, we will sing, we will enjoy each other's company. We will not be bored in heaven. Number two. What about work? What about work? This one, this one we're going to basically be building on what we just read, right? Um, we will have a purpose. We will have things to do. We will have work. Hold the groans, right? Hold the groans because this is, when we talk about work in heaven, we're not talking about work as we know work. We, we, the only thing we know of work is work under the fall and under the curse, where God says work is going to be hard and it's going to be, you're going to produce very little. <laughs> Thorns and thistles are going to come up from the ground, right? No, our relationship with work is going to be entirely different. For a start, we're not going to need to work to survive. What's in, what's in heaven, right? The tree of life, the river of life down Main Street. We're not going to need to work in heaven just to get by. Our relationship with work is going to be entirely different. Have you ever had this... This might be hard to relate to, but you might have had one of these days. Have you ever had a day at work where you felt it was just a good, really good day? Like just a really good day. Like you went home and you're like, I worked hard today, but I'm, and I'm tired, but I'm so content. Because I got a ton done. Everything worked. I'm just, like I, I produced something that I'm actually really proud of. 
Like there's, there's, a, there's a fulfillment and contentment at the end of the day. Um, I might be describing like a unicorn to you that you're like, I just can't picture that. Um, but it, it can happen, right? Where you're like, that was, that was actually a good day. And I enjoy, actually enjoyed working even though I worked hard. Um, yeah, the, we get a glimpse of, of what, what, what work might be like without sin. There's part of our, huma- our very humanity that God designed for us that we actually need to do something. We can't just do nothing. Like we can't just like waste, we'll just waste away if we have no purpose. And I think that, that God has built that into us. And so in heaven, yeah, God, God's going to have us doing, he's not just going to let us drift into eternity. No, he's going he's gonna to let us grow. We're going to continue to grow in heaven for eternity, thrive and contribute and bless, sing, worship God. But it'll be, it'll be work without the fall. Again, so hard to kind of conceptualize what, what work would be like when there's no more difficulty at work. No more tech problems. Oh my goodness, tech problems. All the time. Why? No more Zoom in heaven, hopefully, I'm assuming. Um, no more crowded trips on, the, on public transport with all the different smells. I don't, I don't miss the train. No more feeling of like existential dread on Monday morning. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Monday morning? Oh, no. Whole week of this. No, without the curse of the fall, work will be a worship. God is going to bless our work forever. It's going to be a glorious thing, and we're going to love. We're going to love each day. Number three, what about fun? I didn't know how to phrase this one because I'm like, there's so many things that kind of fit into this category that fun was the closest thing I could go for. Um, because life isn't just about work, right? We also like work. Life is also about doing things we enjoy, isn't it? It might be unspiritual to say, it might sound unspiritual to say, sorry, I don't think it is. It might sound unspiritual to say, but I hope you realize that fun is of God. Do you know what I mean? Fun is, it, it comes from Him. It is of God. Have you ever watched two, like, two-year-old kids just, like, giggling their lives away over some little game they're playing? And, like, the, the hysterics they get into over, like, the way they, like, put the, well, in my house, you know, play with dollies or put tea towels over babies or whatever. And the hysterics that come out of silly, simple games. Have you ever watched a golden retriever chasing birds on the beach? And just, the, like, they're just, like, this is just the meaning of life for them, right? And this is just this endless wonder and fun. Have you ever laughed so hard that your stomach ached so, so much and a little bit of pee came out? Just a little bit. Do you know the kind of laughter I'm talking about? God created each of the, those moments. And they are, a, they are a window into what is to come. They are a glimpse of the good things on heaven. What on earth would make you think that God would have less of those joys in heaven? Like, how could we think that way? That's just, it's like, it's like borderline heresy when we think that way. What would make us think that God would tone it down? Are you serious? That's crazy. The best stuff in this world is just a glimpse of the future of life in heaven. God will delight in making us laugh, bringing thrill to our hearts. He has so much in store for us. 
Jesus in the Beatitudes, in, uh, the Beatitudes recorded in Luke, I should say, say this in verse 21, Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. And that's a promise. Guess what? If you, if you find yourself in a position where you like, can't, like, laughter feels far away and you can't remember the last time like, you laughed so hard that your stomach hurt, God's promising, you shall laugh. And God gets his way. There's laughter ahead of you. If you weep on this earth because of loss and grief and pain and suffering and struggle and trial, God wants you to know laughter is coming and it's going to be the best you've ever experienced. The best laughter is still to come. Uh, Randy Alcorn in his Heaven book, which I mentioned a couple of times, you can go buy it. It's just a big book full of Bible and his his musings. Um, He reckons that Jesus himself will have the most amazing ability to make us all laugh. He's just going to be able to get a laugh out of all of us. He created the funniest people that we know, right? Like Hamish Blake came from God. God, Jesus is going to be pretty good at it. And he goes on, he, he also reckons that Jesus will have the most contagious laughter and the loudest laughter. So hearing Jesus laugh will just make us all want to laugh as well. It's going to be contagious. It's like, there's no verse for that. But like, how can that not be true, right? He's, he is... God incarnate in man. Heaven's going to be pretty fun. It's going to be joyous. Let me just take, a, just to take a little detour and go, let's think about some of the fun things that we like to do and what they might be like in heaven, right? Um, so, for example, what about like sport? We love sport. We're Australians. You know, there's going to be sport in heaven? Some people reckon no because... Sport brings out the worst in people. We're in heaven. There's no worst to bring out. It's just going to bring out glory out of people, isn't it? Because sport brings out the worst, but also it, also, like, it can bring out the best as well, right? We've all seen amazing sportmanship and, and, and like the, the glory of what God has put in us come out in sport. But yeah, sure, like if you've ever played Monopoly before with your family, you know, competitiveness, it can, it can be a thing. But when there's no worst to bring out, I just don't think that's the case. Others say um, there can't be sport, right? Because if there's sport, then someone has to lose. Who cares? (laughs) If you're in heaven, can you imagine being so content with yourself that you just can't be sad if you lose? You're just happy because the other person won. Like you can just take as much pleasure in the game without being so having your identity on the line by winning or losing in a game of tennis. Are you serious? It's like just like the perspective that comes, right? Why, let, me, let, let me ask you this question. Why wouldn't there be sports in heaven? Like, why would God take away something that we love? I don't think there is anything inherently wrong with sports, except, except maybe AFL. Um, <laughs> confession, I actually don't mind AFL. I just know that there's some diehard fans in this church, and I, and I love to give them a hard time. But uh, AFL, yeah, it's pretty good. I actually like it. Um, why wouldn't there be? Why wouldn't there be? What about something, else, something that we also love to do in this world is to travel on our holidays, go visit the world? Do you think there'd be travel in heaven? Why not? We've got a whole earth, got a whole cosmos. God's letting us rule and reign. Why wouldn't there be travel? Why, why wouldn't we go and explore the things that God has made for us? We do it now, and we love it. Why wouldn't we go and discover and explore experience different cultures that God has renewed. 
It does make me wonder though, do you reckon there'll be like the existing geological features of our world? Like do you reckon there'll be like the Alps will still be the Alps? And this world would be like the, the features of this world, the cities of this world. You know, New York will be new New York, etc. New Zealand, new New Zealand. <laughs> I think so. I genuinely think so. I think that the level of continuity between this world and the next will be full. Again, I can't prove that, and that's this is conjecture area. But I think so. I reckon we're going to be, get to experience the new world. And it's going to be the best. It's going to be greater than we've ever experienced. We're going to get to explore, travel, enjoy the world, the current world, but redeemed. Let me, let me uh, share with you another theologian, Swiss theologian, Edward Thernason. Yep. He says this, The world into which we shall enter in the parousia of Jesus Christ is not another world. It is this world, this heaven, this earth. Both, however, passed away and renewed. It is these forests, these fields, these cities, these streets, these people that will be the scene of redemption. I'm beginning to kind of see what I'm trying to get at. Like, I've been trying to, like, lace this in a lot. But isn't that, like, just so beautiful that God would renew this current broken thing, not just, like, throw it all in the trash heap? We aren't living in the clouds. We're living in a new earth with our God, with each other, and it's going to be awesome. What about like the arts, creating stuff? Um, Yeah, I think so too, right? We're made in the image of God. One of the things that that means, I think, is that we like to create like God creates. We, We have that in common with him. He's designed us to be little creators as well. And so, yeah, we love to make music, and I think, that, I think we will continue to make music in heaven, right? This verse in Revelation saying how we will sing a new song. Someone's got to write it. Maybe God wrote it. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, well, I think we'll tell new stories. We'll paint new paintings. We'll create new things, design new architecture, all for the glory of God. What about friendships? Relationships? Yeah. Like, we're not just going to be relating with God. We're going to get to relate with each other forever, but for better or worse, guys. We are stuck with each other forever, right? Better get used to each other, right? Except, can you imagine a world where we'll have friendships and relationships without any misunderstandings ever, or any tension ever, or any kind of, any arguments, any overreacting, any, any discord at all? Just pure friendship. And we get to see the glory of friendship in this world, but man, the best is yet to come, friends. I don't think it's, I don't think it's unspiritual to say that all the good stuff that God has given us now is just a foretaste of what's to come. The joy and the fun and all the good stuff, all the laughter, it's just a foretaste of what is to come. He's, he's really that good. Heaven's going to be really that good. Last one, all right? So we've done kind of, will we be bored? What about work? What about fun? Last one. Uh, what about marriage? This is one where the Bible teaches quite explicitly, so we have actually a, bit, a few more verses to go on this time, which is great. Um, in Matthew, in the Gospels, uh, one group of religious teachers come up to Jesus, and they try and trap him with a hypothetical question, uh, where a woman marries seven brothers consecutively, and because they, they keep dying, the brothers keep dying, And so they're like, this lady keeps marrying brothers. They keep dying. Side note, 
after like the fourth brother dies, surely that fifth brother's going to be like, uh, I, I don't want to go. Something's happening. This, like, she must be poisoning them. I don't know. Um, let alone like the sixth and the seventh, the seventh one. Six brothers dead. And you're like, yeah, I'll give it a go. Seriously. Anyway, um, Black Widow. Here's Jesus' response. So they come up with the zinger, right? In the resurrection, they, the other thing to mention, these guys, the Sadducees, they don't believe in a resurrection. So they're trying to make it seem like, you know, silly and hilarious. And like, hey, Jesus, in the resurrection, whose wife she going to be? She was married to all of them over, over a, a period of time. So whose wife is she? As in like, checkmate, there can't be a resurrection. This is what Jesus said to them. You are wrong. <laughs> Love it. Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. If you're married, that probably bums you out a little bit, especially if you, like, if you, love, your, you love your spouse, <laughs> especially if you love your spouse, right? But do you see what he said? He's saying, um, firstly, if you guys don't think there's a resurrection, you don't know the scriptures. We should see the resurrection promised in the Old Testament. Yep. Secondly, you underestimate the power of God to bring about a new and better thing. You underestimate God's power to, to bring about a new and better blessing. The only reason he is doing away with marriage is to make way for something more glorious. Which makes you think that, like... He has to get rid of the, the smaller thing first so we can give you the better thing, right? Like when I'm trying to get my daughter out of the car to take her somewhere, like to the beach to play in the sand, and she doesn't want to get out. I'm like, just trust me, it's going to be good. You've got to put this thing down first, let go of your, your, your toy, and can come with me because we're, we're going to go enjoy something even better. But it's also worth saying that there is marriage in heaven. There, you will be married in heaven. Let me read from Ephesians 5. It says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So he's talking about human marriage. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. The reason God gave us marriage now today is to point us towards the actual marriage that is going to exist forever. You will be married in heaven. We'll all be married in heaven. Those of you who have never been married on this earth will be married in heaven. Your present marriage, the present marriages that we get to experience today are signposts. They point us towards the actual thing. And once we get the actual thing, guess what? We don't need the sign anymore. We'll have the real deal. We'll be married with Christ. So for the married couples, yes, this is, it can be hard for us to conceive of a world in which it's a good thing that our marriage doesn't exist anymore. But we'll want it to be that way, trust me. God doesn't take away. He gives more and more blessing. Your marriage is going to be better and more perfect in heaven. But it won't be with just your spouse. Secondly, if you are not married, guess what? The best is still to come. You will one day get to experience the best that marriage has in Christ. I guess what it all comes down to as we think through what life looks like and we think through these four questions, I guess what it all comes down to is you really can trust God with your forever. 
He does know what he's doing. He isn't going to jip you. He really does want to bless you forever. It's really his heart to see you enjoy with him. He really does want that for you. He wants you to know that today because it's going to give you strength. He doesn't want you to just like be presently surprised at the end, although we all will be for sure. You can be a real optimist about heaven. You can. He wants you to be so. This is what Ephesians 2 verse 6 and 7 says. He says, By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated. He has raised up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? So that in the coming ages, heaven now, in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. As far as God is concerned, that is the plan. Bless you forever. Pour out the storehouses of his grace upon you so that you know that you are loved. Pour out the riches of his grace in kindness forever. He's going to turn up the blessing to 11. And then somehow it's going to go to 12. And somehow it's going to go to 13 because he knows, he knows how to do that, right? And he's just going to show us his glory and his blessing forever and ever and ever. Friends, you can look forward to heaven. You should look forward to heaven. It's coming soon for all of us, much sooner than we know. To play the role of Philip's servant, you are going to die. It's not the worst news in the world. Because look, look at what is coming for us. This future is available for all who would come to Jesus in faith, who would confess him as your savior and your king, who would fall at his feet, to receive grace, receive forgiveness of sin, and receive the promise of a kingdom that will never perish. Let's pray. Lord, I want to confess my my small thoughts of your promises, the way in which I have not truly believed that heaven is going to be this good or at least put it off as such a far distant future reality that it doesn't have a bearing on my today lord but you know those of us in this room who are who are um towards the end of their days would know that heaven heaven is not far away Lord, in the span of eternity, our our few years here are short, and we will all face you at the end of time. And because of your promises, we know that that is going to be a glorious day. And so, Lord, would you fill us with joy, fill us with strength and courage and enthusiasm? Would you make us optimists about heaven, Lord? Because not, Not because we're unrealistic, but because we are realistic. We know what is coming. Lord, would we know the joy of your blessing? Lord, would we remember in every good moment that we get to enjoy on this earth, Lord, this week even, as we we eat a good meal, would we remember, oh, this is just a taste? Every time we enjoy just that glimmer of contentment, would we go, oh, this is just a little taste of what's to come? Every laugh, every moment of joy that we get to experience, Lord, would we remember... You created this as a picture of what is to come, Lord. So make us thirsty, make us hungry for this future. Keep our eyes fixed on the things that are above, Lord. Keep our eyes fixed on you. 
Lord, as we said last week, Lord, heaven's only heaven because you're there. Heaven could not be heaven if you weren't there. We know that we'd still be restless and, and discontent if our maker wasn't with us, Lord. And yet, when you are with us and everything is right again, Lord, what joy. So, Lord, we can, yeah, we confess our small thoughts, Lord, and we give them to you and, and pray, pray for a bigger vision. Pray that we would not lose heart because of the great promises we have received, Lord. So give us strength for this week. Give us strength. Give us strength until the very end. Help, help us keep our eyes fixed on what is above. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.